morning. My name is Killian Charles. I'm President and CEO of Brunswick Exploration. We are the largest grassroots lithium exploration companies in the Americas. We are fully financed and we are going to be launching one of the largest grassroots exploration campaigns globally. Uh, Kelly, lovely to have you on the uh, show. Not might have spoken before, so um, I've been looking forward to this one, actually, because we're you know, one of the few companies that bucked the trend in 2022 and, and has, has continued to do so in 23 by uh, growing your share price. Um, why, don't, why don't we try and get some definitions out of that? So um, grassroots expert exploration, you're looking for untested pegmatites. You've got a lot of them. So what's the model? What, what are you trying to do initially? Actually, that's a fantastic question. You know, historically, Canada has never seen systematic lithium exploration. That's not to say it hasn't seen lithium exploration, just not in a systematic approach. It, they've been accidents, happy accidents, but they were always accidents. People were looking for copper, gold, zinc, nickel, that's what Canada was known for. And as you saw the quote unquote battery revolution, the green economy stepping into, um, you know, it, it's full footprint that we're now seeing all over the world. It first quote unquote developed in Australia. If I have, you know, an Australian deposit and I'm refining it in China, it makes a lot more sense to find it there than in Canada. So you know, now that we've developed the Australian market a fair amount, people are now turning around to the Americas and say, well, what's the potential there? And so that's what we went ahead and did. We saw that there was an opportunity. We saw that no one was being systematic. No one was going back to these old pegmatites that had been found in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s and seeing if they had lithium potential. And so we decided that, you know what? Let's go ahead and stake everything we can in the Maritimes, in Atlantic Canada. Then we did the same thing in Quebec. And then we did the same thing in Ontario. Then we did the same thing in Manitoba. And then we did the same thing in Saskatchewan. Always holding to key guidelines, key criteria that are you know, important for us. One of those is we got to be close to infrastructure. Um, you know, this is still a bulk commodity. I like to joke that diamonds leave in a briefcase. You can take a bricks armored truck when it comes to gold. But when it comes to bulk commodities like lithium, like copper, like nickel, like zinc, I need infrastructure. So we made sure that we're all our properties, all our pegmatites were close to infrastructure. We made sure that, you know, they were, again, this is a bulk commodity. We want to make sure they're big assets. So we only looked for pegmatites, as you mentioned, these hard rock deposits that were at least 500 meters in strike length. Large targets that if we do find lithium in there, again, they've never been explored for lithium, they're virgin, untested, that they would have a strong chance of being mines. Ultimately, I think there's a disconnect in terms of the industry. We're out here looking for mines, right? That's the objective. But okay, but I, what, I'm, what I want to kind of get to with you is work out how you make money you know, how you define success, because going out and staking hundred, literally hundreds of these pegmatites, and you've got some criteria by which, you, okay, you know, in terms of 500 meters of length in your infrastructure, I, I, I get it. Um, but for you, and you really, it really is grassroots. We're talking about staking here, right? So have you done any drilling? I don't think you have, have you? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what I just described, that systematic approach, that's just yeah. part one of a three-phased approach. So phase right. one is we go out, stake, identify, do all that work. And then we move into phase two. 
And but, phase- but when does phase one finish? Let me, let me, I want to, I really Never. do want to get into this because oh, I, I like, I like the model. So phase one is how much more staking do you need to do? Have you got enough yet? So phase one will never stop. As long as I identify targets, I will continue adding them to the portfolio because as I move into phase two, I'm going to filter out these targets. So, you know, I start with a pool of 500 plus targets. I'm going to say, okay, well, of that, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90% don't contain lithium. I'm just going to let them go. That's fine. They're not what we're looking for. We've never... No one's ever gone to see them. We fixed that mistake. And now we're in a position where, okay, let's go look at what else is out there. Let's go see at what the other opportunities. So let's continue adding to the portfolio. We drop one. That's fine. We're adding one behind it. And that's when we move into phase two, as I mentioned, three phases. So phase one, it's that systematic approach of adding to the portfolio. And then we go boots on the ground. That's when we're filtering. That's when we're out there saying yay or nay at all these targets across our portfolio, you know, whether it be it by truck, road, uh, helicopter, we get to that target, we get to that pegmatite. A geologist lands there, says, no, this one does not contain lithium. Discard it. No, this one contains lithium. Let's keep it. And that's when we move into phase three. That's when we start drilling. That's when we move into more advanced exploration work. And we've already started drilling, to your point. We've already drilled assets in Quebec uh, at our Anatecao project where, you know, exactly that point, we saw property we liked. We signed an option agreement with a company called Osisco Development. We, you know, identified the presence of lithium. We turned around and drilled it. We're doing the same thing in Hearst where we just started drilling uh, last week. We made the announcement last week. So, you know, again, identified a property that contained lithium. In this case, we did an option agreement on it. And now we're in the process of drilling it. And it's a process that I can repeat ad nauseum. The opportunity is there because we've never done this in Canada. Right. Okay. So systematic approach. Let's say, you know, five, number, your number that you, you gave, 500 of these, you disregard 90% of them. You're still up for 25, right? That's, 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 a, that's a lot of targets to be, to be going for. Can I understand the money side thing? Because you've raised money, small amounts of money, at different points um, during uh, last year and also um, recently, you know, this year, last, last month. Um, so you're going up and not, not massive chunks, not more than you needed, but enough to kind of keep things moving. So how much have you spent on phase one so far? So phase one, the fun thing about this is that it's so cost efficient. Right. We're, we're doing programs that are not overly complicated. My number one cost in the company is actually helicopter time. Um, that's where I end up spending most of my capital. So I don't need to go out and raise enormous amounts of, of capital. I can be efficient. I can be um, focused in how I deploy that capital. So, look, don't get me wrong. We're very well financed over the last say year we've raised uh, just shy of 19 million dollars which is a a good amount of money to go ahead and do exploration we're fully more than fully financed for all our exploration program for the year we're probably going to finish the year with another five million dollars still on the books um so very very happy where we stand The, the company's in strong financial health but it's also in a strong position to go ahead and execute on its plan of making discoveries, finding mines. 
that's real value creation in mining. It, it is. Not many people make discoveries. Uh, certainly, a lot less actually become mines. Certainly, economic ones. Um, so, so phase one understood. Not not expensive, but there's a process of you know getting like whatever, whether it's fifty percent, ninety percent discarded. Let's use ninety percent thing. You, that means twenty five targets, which you said do have lithium. Now we've got to go through the process, like every other exploration company, of working at the potential economics of that. So you're going to be looking at um, a small drill program, working out grade and all of those wonderful things. And then you're going to have to go through either a discarding process or what? Joint venture with people? Because again, you, you, have to, you could potentially raise, be raising a ton of money here. So I'm trying to understand, again, how do you finance yourself going forward if, say, every one of these 25 remaining uh, payment sites actually has potential to be economic you can't fund that yourself. So again, what's the game? What's the plan for the game going forward? Well, first of all, that's a bit of a Hollywood problem. If I have twenty-five viable, exactly. viable, you still need targets, a solution. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be very happy with that problem, first of all. But no, you're absolutely right. And it comes out with the second scenario and why Brunswick's a little bit different from other companies, right? When when I think about Brunswick, it's it's that scope and scale and that opportunity that we have here, where you know, for a lot of investors, it can be complicated. You know, well, is this project, you know, under company A better than this project under company B? And then let alone about company C and D. Well, here we have a company, Brunswick Exploration, that has all of that with the project. And we can internally strategize and, you know, rationalize where we want to spend that capital. Of course, some of them will be sold off and that we can pour the money back into some of our projects. Some of them will be brought into JV partnerships. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in the type of lithium deposits we're looking for, hard rock deposits. You have, you know, Arbor Marley that has been rebuffed three times for Lionstown Resource in Australia. Um, there is a lot of fertile activity in the space, M&A activity in the space. But, you know, setting that aside, there's a lot of potential partners and that will allow us to focus on the best of the best cream of the crop um, in terms of our in, internal portfolio. And there can be, you know, some outside sources of financing, but between selling and JVs and, you know, different partnerships, we'll be in a position where, you know, it'll be a little bit more self-sustainable, uh, even by hopefully the end this year or early next year. Okay, so, you, I want to be clear. so you're not a prospect generator trying to create products for other people to run away with. There is that element to your portfolio approach or hopefully a portfolio approach, but ultimately you want to go on and deliver some of these assets or the, more, the most prospective projects yourself. And, is, and I assume with the aid of a Cisco, you feel that you can do that financially. So, you know, you kind of, Pretty getting really close to how we see it, right? I've we're not, we're not huge believers in project generator companies, um, especially as on a public basis. As a private basis, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. On a public basis, it can be a little bit tough to get value for investors. And we are investors of our own company. We want to extract as much value as possible for our investors, which includes ourselves. Um, and so, when we look at these assets, we we do want to be able in a position to focus on the top tier ones in our portfolio, whichever one they may end up being, and 
you know, push them to the logical scenario where we, you know, whether it's an outright sell the company, we try to build it, you know, all opportunities are, are open to us between myself, management team, the board, we have a lot of experience, we have a lot of strong institutional backers, corporate backers, personal backers as well. So, you know, we're quite confident that we have the tools necessary to advance these assets to, you know, the logical endpoint uh, for Brunswick exploration. Right. And so, again, tell me about how you potentially could package up the stuff that you don't want, or not that you don't want, that that you would monetize, right? Because in a kind of high lithium price environment, like, you know, up until October last year, where prices were just going nuts, um, and obviously it's down to about a quarter of that now, is I imagine everyone wanted lithium projects and those those companies could get funding to go after and find identified lithium projects, which you've got, yep. you know, potentially got, right? In this environment now, do you, do you sort of see needing to package up the the best of the rest in a different way than you perhaps you would have at the end of last year to kind of make them attractive? Because these companies won't be coming to the table necessarily with a ton of cash, a ton of shares maybe and you could take a view on that um so how, how have things changed in the in the last six months for you with regards to that bit of the strategy uh, actually and 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 you bring up a, a very interesting point um we're not actually looking to sell a lot of this portfolio to other junior companies um the way we've approached this is if, if I look, and, and I invite anyone to do the same example, if I look at the major lithium producers globally, um, whether it's Albemarle, Livent, uh, Alchem, you know, Lionstown, doesn't make a difference. Pick one. They all have the same issue. They have no growth on their portfolio. They all say the exact same thing to the investors. We're going to grow the company. We're going to find new asset. The issue is that they have no expiration. And they were, all these companies have been so focused over the last five, 10 years, and, and rightfully so, but they've been so focused on construction and development and execution that they had no time to think about the future. So Brunswick Exploration's portfolio is of major interest to a lot of the established players in the space. If I'm you know, a, an established producer of lithium, or I wish to become, to grow into the space, my portfolio of asset becomes very interesting because now all of a sudden I gain a lot of, I could potentially gain a lot of grassroots project that I can selectively grow. So, you know, by way example, again, and I'm not saying it's Albert Marley or anybody else out there, but it's just an easy one out there. Um, you know, Albert Marley wants to get uh, grassroots projects. Well, we have the portfolio that could be of interest to them. And so that provides us a lot of flexibility with, with how we want to approach that. I'm Maybe some projects will be sold to other junior companies. Could be a, a potential scenario. But we remain open to all portions of the market. We may need to make discoveries across the board. And so it's going to be a large variety of potential players out there. Maybe I decide I want to package all of my Ontario portfolio to uh, a producer. And, you know, they'll pay a good amount of money to just have a foothold around a few advanced assets and maybe a few grassroots assets. And now they've got a development pipeline, which you don't have in, in lithium. No companies have a good exploration slash development pipeline like you have 
gold companies like you have in copper companies. Yeah, well, t- tell me how it works in, in lithium because, I, again, that sort of intrigues me where, you know, if, if I do look at other commodities, you know, typically for gold, the big, the majors or the mid-tiers, they're looking to um, clearly, they're, they're depleting resources and they, they, they do have a nasty habit of overpaying, you know, <laughs> really positive markets for acquisitions. And they're looking for, you know, to, to improve their reserve position, not just the resource position, but the reserve posi- position. So for, for lithium, you're saying, well, actually, no, these guys, lithium producers are happy with kind of greenfields or, you know, early stage exploration projects. Or are you saying at the point at which you would transact in whatever that looks like with, with, with the kind of producer side of, of, of this conversation, um, you will have created enough data to give them comfort that this thing could be quick into production because there's no point in having something something that takes 10 years to get into production that doesn't fill their kind of immediate needs i i wouldn't imagine so what what, what are those sorts of conversations you imagine look like sound like what you know what would you need to what confidence would you need to give them about the assets that they're looking at yeah so you have to realize that the lithium market is immature you know, we've been mining copper for, you know, pretty much the Bronze Age by definition. Um, same thing for gold. But, you know, lithium is a very new industry and we've never really been faced with it in the in the mining industry in general, where we have to go from zero to hero. Just, you know, produce a lot of lithium and have a lot of players in the space. So from that perspective, you know, tech's been around for generations. But a lot of the larger or the new large lithium companies have only been in the space for 10, 15 years and are often focused on a singular asset. So for them, you know, if I if I take any major company out there in any other commodity, I will have, you know, assets that are obviously in production. The next slate of mines, then the ones behind that one, maybe they acquire a new project to fill in, you know, in that portion. And then a variety of assets at, you know, earlier stages, whatever, pre-resource, some of them have resource, some of them have economic studies, some of them have reserves. There's just, it's, it's a mixed grab bag as the company evolves all of these different assets. On the lithium side, I absolutely don't have that. I invite anyone to go look at the portfolio of many lithium producing companies and they will see that they they barely have, you know, the next set of assets that they want to develop. And then it's it's blackness beyond that. There's just no asset inside their portfolio at various stages of development. And so a lot of the lithium producers over the coming few years will look to burnish that portfolio, come in, add assets into it. And what Brunswick has done, it has consolidated grassroots exploration. So say I'm a company in the lithium space and I want to start acquiring grassroots assets. There's a few, not to say that we're the only one, there's a few other companies you can talk to, but by far the largest one in this portion of the playground is Brunswick exploration. And so we dominate the industry when it comes to grassroots exploration. And so, you know, our conversations with whatever strategic partners we decide over the next few years, you know, are going to be very interesting because they need these assets. They need, we need more lithium. 
even at this point in time, if I gave, you know, every one of these of your listeners a billion dollars and I said, go build me copper mines, no one would have any issue spending that billion dollars. If I gave everyone listener and said, here's a billion dollars now, go spend it and build lithium assets, they would struggle. They would absolutely struggle to put into production lithium assets because eventually we just don't know where they are. We have not found enough lithium hardware assets globally. And that's what Brunswick seeks to do, to fill in that gap. Well, I'd, I'd agree with you on a, on a couple of things you said there. Um, you, you're, you've got a great valuation for the big main chunk of the story, which you, you came to market with, with, with which is the Greenfields uh, component, where you're kind of staking a lot of ground and a, and a big portfolio. I've, you know, you, you, the valuation is, is superb for that. And I guess, the, I guess some of the audience is saying, well, actually, my expectation of them is that they're going to do something with with these assets, even if it's a sale or even if it's to you know run through the kind of development phases yourselves. That's 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 great. The hard rock component, component yes, definitely rarest hen's teeth in in Canada. But there have been over the past three years a lot of conversations from the DLE folk and the Brian folk. Um, it, 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 it's, it's extraordinary. Some of the claims coming, coming, coming from some, some of them. Um, so it's, it's lithium is something that people are aware of, but you've consciously said, no, hard rock is where we want to play. Canada sort of mid, mid to uh, East coast is where, is where we want to play. Um, and it's kind of fairly, fairly stretched out. So can I come back to the, I guess the phase three bit, which is how quickly do you get to the next bit of the va the value curve, which is what do you start to do with some of these assets? You, you kind of explained, you know, um, one of them um, earlier, but where's the value coming from over, over the next kind of year, two years, as far as you're concerned? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll go back, you know, our view on the DLE, the Solars, the Brines, we've been mining hard rock deposits for a hundred years. It was the first source of lithium. Uh, it's going to be the source of lithium for generation to come. These other technologies may, may come and have an impact, but hard rock is going to always be present. There's no doubt about it. So that's why we focused on hard rock mining. It's established. People know how to mine it. People know how to extract the lithium. That's what we like to focus on. Now, to your other point there, in terms of how we see the next growth in our valuation, it's actually really simple. You know, we spent a bit of time talking about, well, what are you going to be doing with the tier two or tier three assets? I, I, I think that sort of answers the question in a different fashion. We're looking for tier one assets, right? Every company on the junior side will spin the exact same story and say, well, we're hoping that we have a world-class asset. They all want to say that because that's the best thing that any geologist can do is find a world-class asset. Now, sadly, most companies will fail to find a world-class asset because they are, unsurprisingly, quite rare. What we've built at Brunswick is we've built a portfolio that is designed to give us the maximum amount of chances to find a world-class portfolio. That's not to say that we will. That's not to say another company won't either. We just have the most chances of any company out there. 
It's almost, it almost becomes a numbers game. If I, if, you know, every pegmatite has a chance of, you know, one in a thousand chance of actually finding something and every company has, you know, one pegmatite, well, that gives them a one in a thousand chances of finding the next world-class asset. In Brunswick, as we mentioned right all the way at the beginning, we have 500 more. So that gives us, well, 50% chance. There's a heck of a lot better odds of finding world-class assets. That's what we're ultimately looking for. Um, you know, we have a variety of assets in our portfolio that we believe already have the potential of delivering on that claim. Where we hope that the work that we're going to do this year between prospecting and drilling is going to unlock that next wave of value. So, so, where, so how quickly do you, okay, you got 500, right? We'll stick with that number, 500. It's, can you prioritize them? In terms of most likely down to unlikely, because otherwise, if you go the systematic approach and say, I'll start at number one and I'll work my way to number 500, that could take a long time, burn through a chunk of cash and, and time as money as well. So how, how have you prioritized those in terms of you know, getting to the good stuff first? So, you know, for us, and this is an excellent question for us, it's been a the first step is is at least filtering. Right. So. You know, my team in a matter of hours knows whether a pegmatite is going to be barren or not. So that allows them to rapidly eliminate targets. All of our pegmatites outcrop, as I mentioned, you know, they have to have a strike length of 500 meters at surface. That means we can see them, we can walk them, we can know whether they contain lithium or not. So that exercise is done quickly. The next exercise is, all right, now let's see if it has size potential doesn't take 30,000 meters to do that exercise, you know, with a thousand to 5,000 meter program targeted, you know, with large step outs. Again, we know it's present at surface over 500 or 500 meters. So it allows us to build and get an idea quite rapidly. So by the end, how, year, how, how deep is that? If that's a thousand meters, how, how many holes are we talking about? It could be anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 holes going down to a depth of 100 to 200 meters. Again, these outcrop at surface, they're going to be open cast mine, open pit mines. Maximum depth's going to be 300 meters. If I have a, and I'll use a very simple example, a pegmatite that's five meters wide, a pegmatite that's 50 meters wide, Right. Obviously, the pegmatite that's 50 meters wide is of major economic interest. That's going to be a mine. That's going to be a world-class discovery. I'll know it within the first 10 holes as to what I'm drilling, actually, if it's going to be 50 meters wide. The rest, I can maybe try to squeak something out and get to that end objective. Sure. You know, maybe I have more than one pegmatite in the area. If it's five meters wide, maybe I have, you know, four, five, six, and I get to that critical mass that I'm looking for in terms of tons and grades. But if I put my first few holes in it and I drill 50 meter widths, good. I know I've made a right. discovery. And that's is this a mixture of R is this a mixture of RC and diamond drilling? What are you thinking? About, uh, how you diamond drilling. Uh, RC drilling Diamond. is best used oh, right. for infill drilling when you already know the general shape, size of uh, your pegmatite. As we're doing exploration, we gain more geological information from uh, diamond drilling. So we're going to focus on that. But I'm going to go back to Anatikau drilling. You know, we put out a first blush, if you will, of the drilling we did over there. And already we intercepted 30 meters of spodumene-bearing pegmatites. Perfect. What grade? 
Um, have you got grades yet? Grade yet. What we know is that it contains spodumene, up to 20% spodumene. And we know it's all over 30 meters. We're going to get the grade uh, in the next couple of weeks to months here. And then we'll go back. But knowing that I have 30 meters of lithium-bearing pegmatites, that's already a good sign. I know that this is going to be big enough to be interesting. It's a bulk commodity. People forget. It's not like gold. Two, three, four, five meters. That's not really interesting when it comes to lithium. I want to make sure I find, say, at the minimum 20 to 30 million, 25 to 30 million ton deposits. So, you know, I we started beer drilling. We know it's surface expression. We take out our calculators. We're like, all right, this one has the potential. This one, uh, it's going to require a lot of work or it's going to require us finding uh, another one in the vicinity to hit that 20 to 30 million ton threshold. All right, so let's focus on the first one where we got that big width. That's how we, we really look at it. You know, that's how we can be efficient. Again, because we have such a large portfolio, we can prioritize internally what we want to work on. Right. And that's exactly. But, 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 but that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like you're not going to be sort of smashing through 500, um, you know, backpack drilling, you know, was that keep, keep the blades uh, rotating because I'll, I'll be back in a minute. You, you're going to say there's probably 20 or 30, which look like we should go after those first. Because again, I know you've got a bunch of money in the uh, on the balance sheet at the moment and in the bank at the moment, but you've got to be smart with how you allocate that capital this year. So I, I just want to be clear that you're not going to be like throwing lots of money at all 500 this year. It's you're going to, you're trying to hone in on the economics now. Yes. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. That's absolutely what we're going to be doing. We're going to take that 500, bring it down to a manageable number. And then from there, we're going to start to say, okay, do we keep target one? Do we for target two versus target three? And that's a much more manageable number for our company, much more manageable number from a cash position. It's not going to require, you know, $100 million. No, no, no. It's going to be much more stable. You know, again, exactly the type of program we did at Anatecal, one to 5,000 meters. We do that, you know, a couple of times. This year, we're going to be drilling just in the first half. Three different targets. So we finished one at Tikal. We're doing our second one in Hurston, Ontario. Then we're going to do, be doing our third one in Saskatchewan, you know, later this summer. And then from the pros the filtering that we're going to do, that phase two program that we're going to do this summer, we're probably going to end up with a new range of targets in the second half of this year. And we'll say, okay, well now, you know, does this have the potential of being better than something we previously drilled? If so, that's where we're going to spend our money. Oh, no, actually, something we drilled before, let's say in Saskatchewan, is much better than everything else we've identified. Let's deploy our capital there. We have that flexibility. We, we, that's what differentiates us from a lot of other teams and a lot of other companies. We can be flexible in terms of how we approach exploration. And we can be, we can always keep it at a manageable position. Okay, so if the flexibility comes from the the amount of the optionality that you had across the the, the staking, the vast staking. So, and the reason I'm asking this is because we had a few questions sent in, which at least yeah, I think some people are, are, are out there, and I know you've been very 
careful to dismiss this. Everybody going, oh, 500, it all be hits. This is going to be a multi-billion dollar company in the next year. It, you know, it, it, you're going through a systematic approach. You're honing in on the stuff which you think has the most likelihood, the most chance, and you're not wasting capital and stuff, which is a little bit, well, let, let, let's say less likely. Um, get it. So with the ghost, and I think you've also said how much money you've got and how much money you expect to have at the end of this year. So that kind of helps us with the kind of burn rate um, questions which have been sent in. Um, so what are, what are the things that you think you need to deliver this year to, I, I guess, continue this um, surge? And you're, I mean, you, 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 I would say surge is the right word. Your share price shot up um, in, in January. Um, people got ex excited about something or other. But you've kind of got to keep that momentum going and that, that, that um, communication outflowing. What are the things that you think will be important for you to deliver this year? And, you know, what do you at board level think um, you, sh you should have um, been able to deliver by the end of this year? So what are, the, what are those sort of catalysts, I guess? It's, it's always going to be one drill hole, right? So again, for us, it, what we have done is build the foundation, right? That's what we have spent the last 18 months is building the strongest possible foundation for Brunswick exploration with our portfolio of assets. Now that we move into that drilling phase, you know, people say, ah, oh, you know, 500 and, you know, if they hit all 500, it'll be a multi-billion dollar company. No, no, no. I just need to hit on one. If I hit one hole and it's 50, 100 meters of mineralized pegmatite, then there's my billion dollar valuation. I don't need to, you know, break my back over anything else. I just need one. And we're very conscious of that. And that's why we've transitioned into that third phase. Now we're drilling our targets. Now we're pushing to, you know, do that advanced exploration. What is the scale and size of it? And one drill hole in a pegmatite, I know instantly. If I drill it and I come back with 50 meters or 100 meters of core, it's going to be better than 98% of all the other projects out there in Canada or even across the entire planet. And I'm off to the races. But do you, do you think there's a little bit of it you think, crikey, have I made a rod from my own back here? Because the process that you've, you've, you've been through publicly is a process which I think a lot of explorers go through pre IPO, i.e. they're looking at lots and lots of projects, they're dismissing lots and lots of projects before they kind of land on the two or three, well, sometimes one, asset which they, they go to market with. You know, you've got people super excited about the process without necessarily having delivered anything yet. So you've got an amazing market cap, you've got an amazing share price, so the valuation is, is, is super. Now you're going to have to go and do some stuff which continues to excite and thrill the market. So there's a little bit of you just think, crikey, maybe we need to, <laughs> I don't know, just re re rein in expectations a little bit until we hit that one hole. You, get, you set yourself up for success, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you're right if, you, if lithium was comparable to other industries. And so I'll, I'll go back to your point, right, where I'm a private company. Let's say I'm a private company in the gold space. And I'll evaluate a variety of projects, let's say in Canada, and finally, I'll pick the two or three that I'd like, and that's what I'm going to focus on, and IPO, raise a bit of dough, and away I go. When it comes to lithium, that, that's not the case. As I said right back at the beginning of our conversation, we have not done exploration for lithium in Canada. 
every lithium discovery has been an accident. So from that basis, you know, all of my targets or the majority of my targets, I do have many that contain lithium, but the majority of my targets are untested. All right. So this is something that is very, very different from other companies out in other commodities. So I don't know where it's going to be. And that's where, you know, even from that perspective of being private, it wouldn't have made any difference. Right now, what we wanted to demonstrate to the market is, hey, this is our strategy. Let's go ahead and raise the capital to continue acquiring and to continue being the largest, you know, grassroots exploration company in the Americas. Now we're pivoting into that next phase of drilling. Again, I, I remind you, only two weeks ago, we started providing a blush of some of these results. 30 meters of spodumene bearing pegmatite is a heck of a lot bigger than a lot of other results that have been put out to the market. And that's just one inside our overall portfolio. Again, we are now drilling another one of our targets. We are going to be drilling again in Saskatchewan later this year. And we are going to be adding new targets to the portfolio that require drilling during this summer as we move and filter out and discover which ones do and do not contain lithium. So that growth is happening right now. We are delivering to the market results and we will continue to deliver to the market results over you know, the foreseeable two to three years, to be quite honest. So no, actually, I completely disagree. The valuation for Brunswick, when viewed at the potential of what we can discover, and I think it's important to remember that, you know, if we find something, Brunswick's going to be very cheap, even at the current valuation. You know, the assets that we're looking for trade anywhere from $500 million to $2 billion in value. And so I find one in my large portfolio, and then it's game over at that point in time, right? I can more than amply justify that I'm quite undervalued. And so it's, it's that opportunity slash risk profile that's really working well in Brunswick's favor. There is a lot of, op of opportunity. There is some risk, but the upside is quite large. Again, we have the capital, so it's not like people are expecting us to come to market right away and, you know, back up against the wall. No, none of that. We can go ahead and execute on our plans. Great. Well, you know, it, it's all risk until it isn't, right? So the, 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 it's about the process you go through um, to de-risk the opportunities, right? Um, so, so to to that point, um, your expectation is you're not going to come back to market in terms of fundraising this year. You're going to end the the year with circa five million. I think you indicated. Um, and then really a case of evaluating what's happened this year to, to work out how you move forward. That's, I think that's fairly, fairly common sense stuff, uh, I, I imagine. You're going you're gonna to tell me that? No, um, yeah, look, obviously, if I make a discovery, we'll, we'll reevaluate. If I drive 50, 100 meters, then I'll come back and, and rethink about my, uh, you know, if I want to come back to the market or not. But you have to keep coming back to the fact that this is an immature industry, you know, 50 years, 100 years ago, people were finding gold mines and copper mines all over the world, right? We were, you know, every year we'd be making a major discovery in the space. And I, and I'm a strong believer that, you know, Patriot battery metals, that type of deposit, there's like four or five more to be found in Canada easily. We've barely started searching. It's been, it's year two. 
If you want to stretch the definition, I'll say year three of systematic lithium exploration in Canada. We are such at an early part of this industry that there is a number of world-class discoveries just waiting to be found, waiting for somebody to go walk on them. And Brunswick is best positioned to have a geo walk on them. That's the opportunity there. It's not like in gold. It's not like in copper where we've done grassroots exploration for generations and thousands of years. We haven't done that in lithium. This is a new industry where, especially in Canada, we have not made discoveries. Look to Australia from 2010 to 2020. Billions of dollars of value have been created. Multiple world-class assets have been discovered. Not just one, but easily half a dozen. And Canada has the same, if not more, potential than Australia. If you assume that PMET is one of the six that have been found in Australia, that means there's five more easily to be found in Canada. I'm a big believer in that position. We are just starting when it comes to exploration. And I don't mean this at Brunswick. I mean this as a, as a whole industry. And Brunswick is best positioned to capture that, that value growth. Right. Okay. And I hear what you're saying. I spoke to another um, hard rock, Canadian hard rock lithium company um, today. I think they echo your, your sentiment. It's, it's new in Canada. Um, we have spoken previously to some DLE guys, um, you know, again, big claims, but I think technically, I think they, they have their own challenges. Hard rock, a little bit simpler to understand. So there's lots of pluses to your story. Um, with, with regards to how you position the company, though, I'm sort of intrigued by that because if you um, – You've seen you've seen a lot of moves in, in in the marketplace with regards to um, you know battery companies, OEMs kind of moving upstream, trying to secure supply. But that's typically been with development companies, right? So you're not that. It's gonna you have to go through quite a few phases. Are you? Are you I, I know from your presentation that you're very confident about the supply and demand fundamentals getting stronger for, for the space driven by the battery thematic, uh, obviously for EVs, um, but. At some at some point, you're going to have to kind of insert yourself into that kind of ecosystem. And how, how are you seeing that playing out in Canada and that whole kind of North American ecosystem, critical minerals uh, system that's um, being talked about more and more these days? Uh, yeah, actually, again, if I look to North America, and I will include Europe in this. You mentioned gigafactories. There's gigafactories being built in North America. There's gigafactories being built uh, in the EU and you know further abroad. But all these all have the same fundamental issues. You know, they are going to require a lot of lithium. And, you know, the same way that Australia supplied China, Canada is going to be the prime source to supply these countries. If, you know, China, ESG never fully mattered what the ultimate source of lithium comes from. Uh, but it's a, obviously a very sensitive issue in North America. It's a very sensitive issue in Europe. And so saying that, hey, Canada can be the prime suppliers for, you know, two of the global areas of the world of, of, you know, battery production, that puts a lot of eyeballs on Canada. I think it's quite telling that, again, you know, using the example of, let's say, Albert Marley, who is largely a solar producer out of South America, they're not buying more solars. They're buying a hard rock producer 
in Australia. And, you know, it's great. All these gigafactories and battery manufacturers, they're signing deals with the development companies. That's fine. But there's only, you know, a dozen of them that they can sign deals. And if they want to sign more deals, what are they going to do? They need to find new assets. You need to have companies finding new assets. And that's that's something you don't have in other commodities. Again, it's that immaturity of the lithium industry where, you know, it doesn't matter. I have copper assets that I can build in the future. I have gold assets. I have zinc assets that I can build. You know, and it's a question of just building the best one out there. On the lithium side, it's not even a question of building the best one out there. It's like we need to build them all and then we need to make sure that we find out a lot more because we need a lot more. And so that's where, you know, you look on any horizon, you know, two, three, five, ten years, Brunswick Exploration is best positioned to benefit three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now by having a portfolio, by having a variety of assets, some of them that we will keep for ourselves, that we will advance true various development stage to sell or to build ourselves in the future, whatever the situation may be that benefits the most our shareholders. Some of them will be sold in one, two, three years. Again, we can pull on many levers as necessary. And, and it keeps coming back. It's an immature industry. It's a different industry from all these other commodities. And it's going to be faced with a lot of pressure, a lot of demand pressure. We are still only starting. You know, best example, look in the U.S., they're building four spodumene refineries, right? They're built, Piedmont wants to build one. Liven is upgrading its, its spodumene refinery. Texas, Texas, sorry, Tesla is building in Texas uh, a monster. It's a beast of a, a spodumene refinery plant that's going to require a lot of feed. That's why you had rumors that they were going to buy Sigma out in Brazil. This is a trend that's not going away irrespective of what the market is doing on a short-term spot basis in the lithium market, every producer, every, you know, buyer is looking, okay, great. Whether I'm in supply or balance this year, I'm not even worried about this year. You know, as a supplier and as, as a battery manufacturer, I'm worried about 2028. I'm worried about 2030, let alone 2035, when all of a sudden these laws banning the construction or production of gas or ice engines uh, stops. So, you know, they are very much looking to the future and it's a future that Brunswick ties very nicely into. Okay. Well, like, I'm, like, I'm just conscious of time. Um, thank you for your time. Two quick last questions, which have been sent in. Well, Hockstock 101 gets a name check for this one. Uh, name change and also question around ASX uh, listing. What's the, what are the updates on, on those? Yeah, well, look, we can it, talk it, about it's now. something we are considering. Uh, we just got our OTC uh, QB listing uh, down in the US. We are looking, Saw that, yeah. we're looking at various opportunities to continue growing and improving shareholder uh, opportunities to purchase the Brunswick Exploration stock. So, you know, obviously ASX has had a lot of success when it comes to lithium. There's obviously a lot of Australian-based lithium companies in Canada, in Quebec particularly. You know, we see that as a product that could dovetail nicely with existing shareholders of those companies down there. 
it's something we're exploring in terms of name change again uh, you know it's we're always exploring various opportunity branding all of these types of things so it's something that may or may not happen but you know we're trying to make sure that we always deliver the best return for our investors and we take those decisions to ensure that we deliver the best return to our investors whether it's change a new listing anything that can help grow the company